0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Hunter Jacobs, and you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets Podcast. So as you can tell, there's no Najee Adams with us today. He is unfortunately out of town. He had to go to a funeral for a family member, so condolences with him. And I will be riding solo for this episode, and it's something that we're going to be doing more of, being that we're both in school, and it will just make things easier for us to roll out a quicker solo episode here and there, along with our weekly episode with the both of us so i'll be going over the last three games for the nets as well as a few other things that i wanted to address and this podcast is brought to you by high kona coffee you can find Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company at their website, hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter at Hi Kona Coffee, H I K O N A Coffee. Also, if you want to leave a like or review on our podcast, it's much appreciated. We always read them out and enjoy getting them. Okay, so on to the first game when the Nets beat the Rockets at home on November 1st. This was a big win, and I'm not going to say a a turning point, but this was kind of a statement win. I think this is more what the Nets were hoping for their season to be instead of the rough 1-3 start that they got off to. And a lot of it is due to Torian Prince who had a fantastic game overall showed kind of his preseason form and he led the team in scoring with 27 points but overall the Nets outshot the Rockets 49.4% to 41.4% they outshot them but at the three point line by a lot the Nets shot 59.4 percent from three while the Rockets shot 25 percent which is something they're probably going to struggle with because Westbrook isn't the most efficient shooter and Harden has actually struggled from deep quite a bit to start the season and despite the Nets losing the turnover battle 22 to 12 they were still able to win this game which is a Promising sign. Of course, you want the turnovers to go down, but the fact that out off of turnovers, the Nets had 25 points to the Rockets' 22 points shows that the Nets' fast break defense was outstanding in recovering from their miscues. The Nets also got outshot at the free throw line, 81.5 percent to 71.4, so. Two of their three biggest issues were not solved in this game. Because free throws and turnovers were still the big problems. However, they were able to make up for them with doing other things. Such as shooting the three ball well that made up for the difference in this one. Perimeter defense was the third thing. And Westbrook and Harden had 63 of the Rockets 116. As well as the bench guards having 19. So guards had 82 of the 116 points for the Rockets. So perimeter defense still isn't a strong suit, but luckily they held Harden and Westbrook to 3 of 22 shooting from deep. And every guard was 50% or less from the field. So it was more of a volume thing as to how they got their stats. Overall, this was a solid game for the Nets. Torrey and Prince had 27 points and 12 rebounds on 9 of 17 shooting, 6 of 10 from beyond the arc. And Kyrie had 22 points and 10 assists on 5 of 8 from beyond the arc. So those two guys really, uh, I won't say carried the offensive load because there are five 15-point scores in this game. Joe Harris had 15 on 5 of 9 shooting with 9 boards and 3 steals, so he had a well-rounded stat line. Karis Levert had 25 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists on 8 of 15 shooting, and he got to the line for 9 shots, made 8 of them. Garrett Temple, surprise, had 16 points, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 blocks on 6 of 9 shooting, 4 of 6 from deep, so... People who don't normally have outstanding games, such as Garrett Temple, were showing up in this one. Jordan and Allen combined for their 13 points, 17 rebounds. Spencer Dinwiddie put up a dud in this one as he had just 5 points and 2 assists on 2 of 7 shooting. But the Nets were able to win 123-116 to bring their record to 2-3. and Moving on to the next game, the Nets played the Pistons on the road and lost 113-109 to fall to 2-4. and four. It was a very close game, and the Nets had a great fourth quarter, but they just fell a bit short and wound up giving the Pistons this one. They lost the turnover battle once again, 15 to 8. Although 15 isn't an an insanely high number for turnovers, they still lost. They only forced 8 turnovers. And when you look at their free throw percentage, they got outshot at the free throw line as well as the Pistons made 79.3% to the net 765 So... Two of the three biggest issues were once again prevalent. And then you look at issue number three, perimeter defense. Uh, Drummond led the the Pistons with 25 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, and 5 blocks. So he had an insane game. To his insane start to the season, I will add. But the second and third highest scores were Luke Kennard and Bruce Brown with 24 and 22 points. They combined for 46, 5 rebounds, 11 assists on 16 of 39 shooting and 11 of 13 from the free throw line. So, both of those guys had great games. And between Drummond, Kennard, and Brown, it was overall just a good game for the Pistons. They couldn't knock down a three, however, as Brown, Markeve Morris, and Drummond were 0 for 7 combined, and then Look and Galloway were 3 for 8 off the bench. So, taking a look at the Nets box score... Spencer Dinwiddie had a rebound game as he had 16 points and 6 assists on 5 of 10 shooting. He did turn the ball over 4 times, but it was an improvement from his showing against the Rockets. Karis Levert, he did not have the best game. He had 14 points on 6 of 17 shooting with 6 rebounds in 28 minutes and had a team low minus 8 plus minus. He also went 0 for 3 from Beyond the Arc, where the Nets were cold as him, Kyrie, and Garrett Temple combined 0 of 13 from distance. Kyrie had a triple double in this one. He had 20 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists on 8 of 21 shooting. DeAndre Jordan got the start over Jared Allen and had a double double with four blocks while Allen had seven and seven off the bench Jordan had 10 points 10 rebounds four blocks on five of eight shooting Joe Harris had 18 points on seven of 10 shooting four of six from deep and Torian Prince had 20 points on seven of 12 shooting five of eight from deep so in terms of efficiency it was led by Jordan Harris and Prince but the Nets fell just short as they moved to 2 and 4, and the Pistons moved to 3 and 4. The last game I will be going over is the Nets Pelicans game in Brooklyn. As the Nets won and moved to 3 and 4, the Nets shot 53.3 percent from the field to the Pelicans 49.5. The Nets shot 39% to the Pelicans, 40.6% from beyond the arc. And the Nets got outshot at the free throw line, 76.2% to 75. Although it's not a big difference, and the Nets did make more free throws as they got to the line more, so that is a good sign. However, they did lose the turnover battle once again, 23 to 21 And the Pelicans did take better advantage as they had 32 points off turnovers. Looking at the box score, Brandon Ingram lit the nets up. He had 40 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. And he is truly breaking out this season and is an early season candidate for most improved player. He's averaging over 26 points a game. And in this one, he shot 17 of 24 from the field. And just could not be stopped. Lonzo Ball also had a solid game with 15 points and 3 assists. On 6 of 10 shooting, he knocked down 3 triples. Drew Holiday had 15.7 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 steals, and 2 blocks. So he filled the box score in a lot of different areas. But he did have a team low, minus 19, plus minus. Josh Hart, who is continuing to get starts. Had fourteen point seven rebounds and four steals, so the Nets, and the Pelicans starters, played pretty well. Their bench, however, did not shoot the ball well at all. As you had Jackson Hayes, who fouled out in sixteen minutes, o of three from the field. Derek Favors, o of one, missed both of his free throws. Nikhil Alexander Walker, 0 for two. Reddick and Frank Jackson 8 for 18 combined both had 12 points so the Pelicans were able to score but their biggest problem was on defense overall as the Nets did shoot over 50 percent from the field and Kyrie Irving led that charge with 39 points he had 39 on 13 of 21 shooting 2 of 6 from beyond the arc and knocked down all 11 free throws. He added 4 rebounds, 9 assists, and 3 steals with 5 turnovers. Jared Allen was back as the starter in this one and had a possibly his best game of the season with 18 points and 10 rebounds on 7 of 8 shooting. Jordan took the backseat in this one as he played just 16 minutes to Allen's 30 and had 4 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 blocks. Karis LeVert had 23 points on 9 of 19 shooting and 4 of 8 shooting from beyond the arc with 7 rebounds and 5 assists. So, in this game, the belief of Karis LeVert being the second option to Kyrie was brought to fruition as the two combined... To shoot 22 of 40 from the field, 6 of 14 from deep, and knock down 12 of 14 free throws. So that duo is expected to lead the charge in scoring and the Nets will assert themselves in the playoff race the more that they do so. All reliable, 19 points, 4 assists, 7 of 14 shooting, knock down 4 triples. Torian Prince, another double-double, 12 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, 4 of 12 shooting. And Dinwiddie went back to having a dud game, 3 of 8 shooting, 7 points, 3 assists. But Garrett Temple picked up some of that slack with 13 points and 4 assists on 4 of 6 shooting and 3 of 5 shooting from beyond the arc. Perimeter defense was not as much the issue in this game as the Pelicans shot 13 of 32 from from deep, but Brandon Ingram did light them up, but they did solid work on the guards as Lonzo, Holiday, and Hart were held to 15, 15, and 14, respectively, so not overall a bad game and the guards did outplay them by quite a bit so that was not really the issue here but they did win by 10 to improve to 3 and 4 with a 3 and 2 record at home as opposed to their 0 and 2 record on the road so that wraps up the three games now i want to address an, an a rumor that i i stumbled upon On the internet. And I wish Najee was here. Because I wanted his opinion on this. But I'll be reviewing it myself. A possible trade. Where it says the Nets can address their stretch four issue. And acquire Aaron Gordon from the magic. Which would be nice. Aaron Gordon is a solid player overall. And I believe that he would fix some of the stretch four type issues that the Nets have. And would be able to let Torrey and Prince return to his small forward role. However, I was not really a fan of the package that the Nets would be giving up according to this rumor. It says the Nets would acquire Aaron Gordon for Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, And a first-round pick in the 2020 draft. So you're telling me Aaron Gordon averages 13.3 points, 6 rebounds, 45% shooting. So you're going to acquire Aaron Gordon, right? Who has an injury history as well. And you're going to give up Joe Harris, who's averaging 15 points a game on 54% shooting from the field and from three. And then you're going to give up Spencer Dinwiddie, who is a charge off the bench, who's averaging 14 points and five assists on 39% shooting. You're going to give them two up and possibly the maybe 17th pick in the 2020 draft for Aaron Gordon. I I, I don't see how that really benefits them yes, it may strengthen their starting lineup, but then you look at their bench and the bench becomes whichever one doesn't start out of Allen and Jordan, Garrett Temple, Karooks, and and Waba Uh, instead of Dinwiddie. I, I don't think the trade would help the balance of their team and not I don't think it would even really give them a boost in star power. I believe the stretch four type of player that they would need would be Kevin Love more so. Someone who can consistently knock down triples, rebound the ball. And I don't really see that with Aaron Gordon. He's more of a a slashing type of forward, although he can obviously shoot the ball I don't think he's the type of player that would upgrade the nets I think Torian Prince does the role of power forward about as well as Aaron Gordon would do in all honesty I think the focus would be on Kevin Love now provide if they give up that package for Kevin Love I don't think it would really work I don't think the Cavs even want Dinwiddie, being that they have Garland and Colin Sexton. They may want Joe Harris, but I I do think it would be better suited to work out a deal for Kevin Love if they look to acquire a stretch four. I think it's just all too early, and they need to let the season play out more before anything. But I see the why the rumors start swirling. As you look at the box scores for their past three games... Points, rebounds, and assists are all led by Kyrie Irving or Torian Prince. They lead all nine categories for each of the last three games. Kyrie more so than Prince. Prince has three to Kyrie's six. But regardless, I do believe that Aaron Gordon would not be the answer to their problems. I think more so, if if not Kevin Love, they can go for a big shot, go Blake Griffin, but then they'd have to give up more. I think they just need to let things fall into place right now and just hang on until they get KD back. Although he's probably not playing this year, it's possible, probably not. I don't think making a trade to win this season is, is the right move. Like, they'll still make the playoffs regardless, and their young players will develop. But I think they really need to wait until KD comes back before making any big moves. Sure, they can make a small acquisition if they see that it helps them and improves their bench. But I don't think getting rid of Dinwiddie, Harris, and a first-round pick will do much good for them at all. I feel like Najee would agree with me if he were here because, although Najee loves Aaron Gordon, I don't think he would agree either that it would really help them. I think anyone on the Magic, I think Jonathan Isaac is a better option. In all honesty, young, growing, he he had a five, almost had a five by five stat line last night, but I don't think they really have to make any moves right now. I think they should just hang tight. Let things fall into place. They're likely to make the playoffs regardless without KD. The East right now is is seemingly run by Boston, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Miami. And Toronto's in the mix too. But the Nets will make the playoffs, will probably be the 6th seed facing off with the Bucks or something in the first round. It, it will end up something like that but i think pulling the trigger on a trade or rumor surrounding a trade is kind of panic mode now i would like to shout out another sponsor for hoopball mybookie.ag personally i am a fan of sports betting i do it in the form of daily fantasy I am a DraftKings guy. I often play $1 triple up contests with the NBA, NFL, MLB. I do it with all different sports. And my bookie, you can use the promo code today if you sign up for a new account and my bookie will match your first deposit up to $1,000. The word today is the promo code And although it's not daily fantasy sports, you place bets on games, spreads, anything, prop bets, and that's all on that website. And if you head there today, again, they'll match your first deposit up to $1,000. The last thing I'm going to talk about is a DeAndre Jordan injury that occurred that... Can change plans for the Nets. Although he is he's just questionable for tomorrow's game. It is no serious injury or anything. The Nets are still without Wilson Chandler. Due to 25 game suspension. And they could pick up the 16th player to replace him. Now that Jordan is injured it is possible they pick up a player. And I still believe that there are two primary options, although a center is obviously needed if Jordan is going down, but I think I think Claxton can fill a solid role. I would like to see the addition of Carmelo, Anthony, or Joe Johnson. I've been a big fan of an NBA team getting both of them. I just believe Melo needs to embrace having a bench role before he, he he gets on a team it's like what Dwight Howard is doing right now with the Lakers Dwight Howard had a meeting with Rondo JaVale McGee and LeBron and he was able to convince them that he is a reformed player and he is going to play his role and he's going to play his role well and he's doing just that he is he has been a great player for the Lakers so far and I believe Melo can be a great bench scorer right next to Spencer Dinwiddie and would give the Nets a a boost or something that they're kind of lacking right now. Like they have a consistent rotation, but I believe if Dinwiddie has an off game and their bench struggles overall, that they're really due to likely lose. If Mello fills in, I believe that the game's Dinwiddie is down. Melo will probably score more. Melo is a scorer. Yes, his defense is lacking as he's getting older. But I believe he should be on the roster. Yes, even if it's a short time while Wilson Chandler's out. But even if they sign Melo and he turns out to be a great player, I think he will earn a roster spot. I think it's worth a look. Personally, I don't know if Najee would agree. But I think the Nets should look into getting Carmelo Anthony for supplementary bench scoring next to Dinwiddie. Let me know on Twitter what your thoughts are about that. Whether the Nets should go for Carmelo Anthony or an old reliable Joe Johnson. So last thing before I head out is Najee's little game where he gives you a letter and you have to say, an NBA player, I'll be doing a random letter generator, and I click it, and the letter is C. The first player that came to my mind for C was Charles Barkley, (laughs) Chuck. All right. That's all I have for you today. See you guys next time. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.